Father, we love you. And we thank you so much for the fact that you sent Jesus for us. That at one point in our history, there was a veil between man and God. And when you sent your son to die on that cross, that veil was forever torn. And no longer did we have to have, to, to, to have somebody intercede for us because Christ did that for us. And we now have access to you. And we thank you, God, that you choose and, and desire to dwell with us in community, God. We thank you for the way that you love us and for this current series that we've been in as we look at what is our purpose. And, and so, God, we thank you for the fact that you have created us to worship you. We thank you that you've created us for community and you desire for us as brothers and sisters in Christ to understand that we belong to one another as a family. And so this morning, Lord, as we dive into discipleship, we pray that you would speak to our hearts because so many of us, God, come down on one side or the other on the fence of discipleship. And we pray this morning that you would give us understanding that as children of God, you are calling us to imitate our daddy. And we pray that you would help us to do so. We thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, hi, church. I'm excited to be here with you today. And, and uh, I'm Pastor Jamie Kendrew. And uh, we're in the middle of our sermon series entitled, What on Earth Am I Here For? Now, that is a question that a lot of us have. We wake up in the morning and we look in the mirror and sometimes we say things like, What is that? Or, or What is my purpose? And we ask the question of, Why are we here? And a lot of us aren't willing to often talk about that or admit that, but at some point in our life, we do ask the question, what is the purpose of life? And as you know, over the past several weeks, we've been talking about that. We've talked about how God has created us to worship Him, that we are created for God's pleasure. Uh, We also talked about how we're created for community. We're created to be in fellowship with one another. And God created us as brothers and sisters in Christ to be co-heirs with Christ. We are his children. We are his family. And this morning we're going to look at an important principle in our purpose. And, And part of the reason that we have been created, one of our major purposes in life, is our purpose is that we have been created to grow deeper in our knowledge and understanding of Jesus through a word we call discipleship. Now, if you remember, the disciples uh, were the disciples of Christ. They were the students of Christ. And so as believers, we're called by God to grow in our knowledge, to be discipled, to become like Christ in our walk with him. This past week, I had the privilege of, of being invited by a friend to come down to the Chesapeake Bay in Annapolis, Maryland. I'd never been down there before, and it's a very beautiful town. Um, A lot of sailboats, a lot of sailing vessels. And so while I was down there, I had the privilege of going on kind of an aquatic tour of the the Naval Academy, which is located there in Annapolis. Uh, The friend that I was with had a boat, and he took me out, and he showed me the the Naval Academy. And we kind of toured this little creek where all this stuff was going on. And as we're touring the creek, I noticed up ahead of us there was the Annapolis Sailing School. And so what was taking place at the Annapolis Sailing School was you had all these wee little, they're, guess they're called dinghy boats. They're these wee little sailing boats. I, I'm not sure what the actual name of them is, but they had one little sail. And, and on this side of the, the bay, there's all these 10 and 12-year-old, 13, 14-year-old kids in these little dinghy boats. 
um, with these one little sails, and they're sailing in circles, and the, the, the friend that I was with that was driving the boat was kind of playing dodge sailors. It was pretty funny, because they were just kind of going everywhere, and, and it was neat to see these little kids, and I said, well, what are they doing? And he said, this is a sailing school. This is where they learn the fundamentals of sailing. I thought, pretty cool. So we continued on towards the Naval Academy, and as we got closer to the Naval Academy, um, if you've ever been there, it's just this beautiful facility. And as you come around the bay uh, to the other side, there's a part where we encountered more of these little dinghies. But instead of seeing 10 and 12 and 13-year-old little kids sailing away, what we see is grown men. Not just grown men and women, but these are the Naval Academy cadets. These are the future leaders of our Navy, supposed to be the cream of the crop. It's, it's basically impossible to get into this place. And here they are, sailing in the same type of dinghies as these little kids across the bay. I thought about that for a minute, and I asked my friend, I said, well, why, why are these experienced sailors doing the same thing as these little kids over here? And we began to talk about how when a cadet goes into the Naval Academy, what they do is they began to start from the very foundations of what it means to be a sailor. And so here these officers-to-be, these future admirals, these future commanders of freedom, are in a dinghy. (laughs) We were watching as I saw one guy lean way out over the boat, and it kind of toppled into the water, and he gave himself a a sailing baptism. I don't know. It It was just comical. And I again said, well, why? Why are they doing this? Shouldn't they be learning how to do this or learning how to operate giant nuclear vessels? And my friend said to me, he said, no, they've got to learn how to read the water. They've got to learn how to read the wind. And apparently when you're sailing, you just can't put your turn signal on and go left. There's a little more to it. There's the, the wind has to be coming in a certain direction, and sometimes you have to go left in order to get right. And I don't understand it. I admire the people that do it. But I was amazed because here you have the cream of the crop, these young men and women who are in this sailing school learning how to sail these little one-sailed dinghy boats. They were back at the foundations of what it meant to be a sailor. As we went out into the bay, we saw another vessel. And on this vessel, it it had three or four different sails, and I wish I could tell you what kind of sailboat it was, but the same type of cadets, these were further advanced students, Um, you know, one day they're going to be defending our freedom, and now they're they're just, they're on these little sailboats, and they're full uniform, and and there's clearly a commander at the helm of the ship, and he's barking out orders, and each of the sailors is jumping to this or doing this, and my friend began to say, as a cadet goes throughout the Naval Academy, they began to advance, and they're sailing. And I kept asking the question, well, why do they need to learn sailing at all? Because, again, it's not like we have sailboats going into battle. And again, coming back to the answer, when you have a foundation on who you are, when they have a true foundation of what they're supposed to be, it's going to make them better later down the road. I was pretty astonished by that concept of taking those who think they know everything and who may actually know everything there is to know about sailing And they start from square one. And I think a lot of times as Christians, we have this attitude that, well, I've been a Christian for 15 years. I've been a Christian for 49 bajillion years. And and I don't need to to really dig into the Bible. And I don't need to have this whole foundation thing. Because I'm good. My foundation is on just my relationship with Jesus. and, 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 And I'm okay. But the reality is that's false thinking. Because if your foundation is on Jesus 
then you are going to be rooted in a good foundation. These naval cadets were learning the basic nuts and bolts of sailing so that one day they could be commanders. And as Christians, I'm here to challenge us this morning, we should never stop learning about God. We should never stop learning from God and from the situations that he wants to put us in. Because the moment we begin to think we know everything is the moment we become in trouble. We need to be a people of discipleship. In fact, it's the purpose that we're here for this morning. One of our big purposes in life is we are called to be imitators of God. At the Naval Academy, this was beautiful. They said, what we're trying to do is we're trying to recreate these people into being what they're supposed to be. That is, naval officers. They need to eat, sleep, drink, and breathe this stuff. They need to be able to look at the wind and tell you which way it's going. You can't look at the wind. I'm just kidding with that. You can laugh. Church, you out there this morning? Anybody? Church, you there? All right. And so as Christians, we need to know what we believe and why we believe it. Did you know that as Christians, it's, it's when we're commanded to know Jesus, it doesn't stop there? That in our Christian walk, and our Christian faith, we're not just commanded to know Jesus and to be set free. We're commanded to be imitators of Jesus. We're not just simply commanded to know him. We're, be, we're commanded to become perfect. Think about that for a minute. You're commanded to attempt for perfection. That's all I'm asking of everybody this morning. Just be perfect. We're commanded by God to be imitators of God. We're commanded by God to be like our Jesus. That when you know Jesus, you should desire to reflect his image. I love the way the moon only gets its light from the sun. Just as we as believers only receive light from the sun. I love that silly little analogy. Philippians 2.5 says that we are to be imitators. We're to have the minds of Christ. Jesus tells us in a little parable in Luke 6. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn there right now. That we as a Christian people, we're to have a solid foundation built on Him. It says this in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I, show, I will show you what it is like, who comes to, uh, what he who is like that comes to me and he hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man uh, building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck the house but could not shake it. Because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and destruction was complete. We're to be imitators of God, and our foundation is to be rooted in Jesus Christ. And if we claim to know Him as our Lord and Savior, the Bible tells us that we are to be imitators of Him. Professional plagiarizers, one might say. We have to be like Jesus. And the only way that we can be like Jesus is to know him. Is to get to know him. And, and you may ask the question, well then how do we get to know Jesus? Well there's two ways that we as a people can get to know Jesus. And the first one is the Holy Scriptures. I want to tell you, I'm studying church history right now. This book did not come to you and to me easily. It sits on our bedstand. It sits on our coffee tables. But hundreds and thousands of Christians laid their life down 
to get this into your hands. And inside of this book is the, is the words of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And inside this book is every answer that you'll ever need for life. And it blows me away how many of us as believers were not in the Word of God. So if you want to know how to be like Jesus, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to be in the Word because at all times, Jesus was quoting Scripture. Jesus was learning from Scripture. And we need to be in the Word of God. The second way that we can know Christ is by being like Him in, the, in, in our interactions with people. We're going to dive into that in a moment. But there's two ways that we can come to know more about Jesus. We confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior. He he becomes the Savior and Lord of our life. And then we get to know him more by the word of God and by the people he puts in our lives. In our scripture passage this morning that comes from uh, 2 Corinthians, you have your your sheets there. I'd like you to go ahead and turn there. We have a scripture that um, is really jam-packed. If you read a commentary on this, you could see quickly that this could be a sermon series in itself. It's a scripture that talks and refers to the Trinity. It's a scripture that talks about the the, the sanctification and talks about being made right. But I want to read this to you and really hit the point that we're trying to make here. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And when he who is uh, with unveiled faces... And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. As believers, we're we're this new covenant believer, that veil has been torn. I don't know if you know that that there used to be a, a giant curtain that would separate God from man. And when Christ was crucified on the cross, that veil was forever torn. And we as a people are forever uh, in the community with God, where we can go to God, we can go right to God. We have been set free from death into life. And so it tells us here that this is something that should be transforming us. When you confess Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're being transformed. You're being made into what you're supposed to be, like those naval cadets. But as Christians, what are we supposed to be? We're to be imitators of Christ. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth, plainly we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. We are the reflection of Christ. And as believers, each and every one of us is being made into something new. And we're going to be made into that image of Christ when we commit to that. So it is important that we grab this Bible and we began to read it. I want to say this to you this morning, church. If you use this time as your only source of spiritual growth, then you are not getting the fullness of what God has for you. Because God wants you to be in small groups. God wants you to be in community, as we learned last week. He wants you to be in fellowship. He wants you to be in Bible studies. You're going to learn the words of God by being in the Word of God. And one of the ways that we can be in the Word of God is by being in community, in Bible studies. Are you in a Bible study right now, church? Are you studying the Word of God? Are you praying with other believers? Because in that process is how we become discipled. 
Because God desires to teach us from his word, and he desires to teach us from people. It's funny to think about that God would use people to teach us things. And what's interesting is, is we're going to look at this week in the, in the What on Earth Am I Here For book, we come up with three ways that God grows us from our interactions with people. The first way that God will grow us through our, interaction, through our interactions with people is through the trials that we face. You know, it's important to remember that God is not necessarily some kind of bully sitting up in heaven. He's not. I shouldn't say necessarily. He isn't. He doesn't take joy in seeing us hurt. Things happen in this world. Bad things happen in this world. But the Bible tells us that in all things, God will work together. God will use those things to work for his good, for those that love him. And if you love Jesus and you're experiencing trials in your life, God will take those hardships and those things and he will use them to bring glory. How does he do that? He does that by discipling us through our hardships. How many of you out there this morning are suffering through cancer, some type of addiction, brokenness in your home? I want to tell you that God does not delight in our sorrows, but he will use them to teach you and to grow you and to further your knowledge of him. So why on earth would he teach us through trials? So that we can learn to trust him. You think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's found in Mark 14. He takes his little small group, his friends, and he goes to the garden, and he's praying to God because he knows that this Thursday night he's going he's gonna to pray and that tomorrow morning comes the cross and, and that, that reality is hitting him in all its force. And he cries out to God and he says, God, if, if you could take this cup from me, do so. But if this is your will, I submit to your will because I recognize, this is what Jesus says with these words, that the pain is only temporary. And obedience to you says I love you and that I trust you. And so there in that garden, Jesus commits himself to the will of God, to dying on the cross. And if we're to be imitators of Christ, then we're saying that we're willing to suffer for the sake of the kingdom. We're going to have the Garden of Gethsemane in our life where we hit our knees and we say, God, if you can heal me from this, fantastic. But if not, your will be done. And God will teach us mighty things through our trials if we continue to trust in him, understanding that we're not citizens of this world, that our pain is only temporary. And he will see us through. See, Jesus remained committed and he delivers us from that pain and that death. So as you're going through trials in life, remember, God's trying to teach you something. He's not delighting in your pain, but he will use it to bring glory to himself. The second way that God will use people in our lives and things is through temptation. Have you ever been tempted? Have you ever had someone tell you it's a sin to be tempted? Well, listen to me very clearly, please. It is, in fact, not a sin to be tempted. Did you know that? It is not a sin to be tempted. It's what we do immediately following that temptation that it either becomes a victory in the name of God or it becomes a broken sin that can lead us to a path of destruction. God does not, in fact, even tempt us, but he will allow us to be tempted. Why on earth would God do that? 
Well, God allows us to be tempted so that we can be obedient. Because you see, Jesus Christ was obedient to God, even into death. He was obedient to God when he was led into the wilderness in in Matthew 4, when he was tempted by Satan. Satan promised him power. Satan promised him everything he would ever need. He promised him authority, all this good stuff. But Jesus continued to quote scripture, and Jesus did not give in to the tempter. Jesus was fully man. He was fully God. So Jesus experienced that temptation that you do. And each and every one of us goes through temptation. And for each one of us, it's something different. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's an affair. Maybe it's cheating on your taxes. Maybe it's something where you're, I don't know, cheating in a video game. (laughs) But we do face temptations. And the Bible tells us that God will not give us more than we we can handle. And not only that, he will provide a way out in those situations. You know where we find those answers? is in scriptures. You know where we find that strength? We find it in God. We find it in the people that he surrounds us with. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says that all of us are tempted. And as Jesus proved to us, when we're tempted, we can beat this temptation. So when we're sinning, we like to blame Satan for our sin, don't we? But the reality is, The only person that is responsible for our sin is us because we were weak and we gave in to temptation. God wants to teach you obedience through your temptation. Jesus was tempted to take the bread. Jesus was tempted to take the power and authority for himself. But he overcame and he remained faithful to God. In your obedience, God will disciple you in how to be more like Christ. The third way is God uses people in the way of trespasses. Have you ever been hurt by somebody? I know for me this is one that hits very close to home because forgiveness doesn't come easy. There's some of you in the congregation right now that you have been hurt very badly. And and in fact, uh, from earthly standards, some of you have been hurt in ways that not a single one of us would ever fault you for not wanting to forgive the person that hurt you. But spiritually and biblically, we're called by God to forgive. Now that's not going to happen right away for some of us. For some of us, that's going to take a deep discipleship process where we have to be healed, where we can get courage and where we're no longer afraid. But we are called to be like Christ. And Jesus demonstrates to us the ultimate example of forgiveness. He forgave you. He forgave me. The Bible tells us that we should forgive our brothers and sisters in the same way in which we were forgiven. When we say that we shouldn't forgive, we're basically saying we're better than Jesus. And I don't know about you, but that's way above my pay grade. We're not better than Christ. In fact, I'm supposed to be like Christ. And if I'm going to be like Christ, that means that absolutely horrible, awful, horrendous, tragic thing that happened to me, I've got to eventually heal. Because when we don't forgive, the only person that's really killing is us. Because most of the time, the person that has transgressed against us doesn't care. And that unforgiveness becomes a cancer in us, and it eats at us. And God wants to teach us through that. 
He wants to teach us grace, mercy, patience, kindness, gentleness, love, respect. We're called to be a people who forgive because we're called to be like Jesus. There he is. He's just been arrested out of the garden. He's taken by soldiers. He's beaten. He's spit upon. He's mocked. He's made fun of. And even as they stripped him naked and put him on a cross, they made fun of him. They persecuted him. They beat him. There's not a single one of us in this room that would fault Jesus if he called down heaven's angels and smited them all, smote them all. But Jesus, Jesus is awesome. Because in this beautiful moment on the cross, in Luke 23, Jesus lifts his head towards dad and he says, Father, forgive them. These people are killing him. And he looks to the Father and he says, forgive them. Who do you need to forgive? What is God trying to teach you through forgiveness right now? I'm going to tell you right now, as a person who experienced years and years of anger and bitterness, my relationship with God plateaued because of that anger and inability to forgive. And when God released me of that, it was so freeing. And I learned so much about obedience to God, about grace, about mercy. And my heart grew, my love for people grew. And I want to challenge you, if you need to learn from forgiveness this morning, I challenge you, pray for God to do something in you right now and learn to forgive from those who trespass against you because we have been forgiven of our trespasses. So here we're talking about discipleship. We're talking about the significance of God's word. We're talking about in the way that we're called to be Christ-like and how by our transgressions that have happened against us, we're called to forgive, we're called to love people and how God wants to teach us through that. We're called in our, in our, our, in our, um, excuse me, our um, temptations. We're called to recognize that, that God wants to teach us in our temptations. That he wants to give us victory in our temptations. That he will provide a way out for you and so God will grow you through those things in your interactions with people. And he also wants to teach us through our experiences and our trials. Now here's the thing. There's two ways that we as disciples fall in the church today. Well, there's three really. The one way is, is we have people who absolutely understand and appreciate that this is the inspired word of God. That this is the infallible word of God. And so what they end up doing is they end up buying every book study and every Bible study and every study study of studies that they can get their hands on and they lock themselves in a room and they study and they study and they study. That's fantastic. But to be a disciple, you have to follow the teacher. And the teacher didn't lock himself in a room with words. Jesus said to the disciples, follow me. And they went with people. I'm not knocking Bible studies. You all need to be in one. But those Bible studies are part of the discipleship process because the disciples were with Jesus when he healed people. He, they were, he was, when he raised Lazarus. They went out and they delivered the lunch boxes that Jesus created out of bread and fish to the 5,000 and the 4,000. 
And so sometimes as Christians, we, we become these scholars that lock ourselves in towers. Then there's the other extreme. Well, I'm just going to follow Jesus, and you know what? I don't need to read the Word of God. I'm just going to go be with the people. I don't even need the church. I'm just going to go be. I'm going to have just be a relationship. That's wrong too. Because when Jesus was in the garden, when Jesus was on the cross, when Jesus, in any moment, he was reciting Scripture, he was using Scripture as where his authority was coming from. And if we're going to be like Jesus, we can't lock ourselves in towers, and we can't be hippy-dippy over here either. We need to be a body of believers that is, is discipling in the Word of God in, in our discipleship process, but also being with the people. Because if you're truly being discipled, you're also being an evangelist. And if you're going to be an evangelist, you need to be a disciple. A lot of people think they're two separate things, but I'm telling you, church, they're the same thing. And if we're going to be little Christs, as the word Christian actually means, we need to look at Christ. We need to look at his life. And we need to see him and the people around us and figure out what is God trying to teach us through our experiences, our, our temptations, our trials, and our transgressions that have been done against us. And what is he trying to teach us from the word? You are created on purpose. You were created by God. You were knit together. Before anybody knew you were going to be, God knew you were going to be. He knit you together. He intimately, he knows you. He created you on purpose, with a purpose. And that purpose is to be a disciple of Christ. Get discipled. Be involved in discipleship. Be involved in growing in your knowledge and understanding of why we believe what we believe. Because when you have that foundation and it's rooted in the word of God and it's rooted in Christ, no storm will shake you. I loved that vision of just seeing the Naval Academy and seeing these, these giants of power practicing the most simple of discipline. With Christ in our lives, we are more than conquerors who need to be practicing the most simple of disciplines. God, we love you and we thank you. We praise you for sending Jesus to be the ultimate example for us. And we pray, God, as you grow us through your word, that you would inspire us to have a, a hungering for your word. That you would give us knowledge, because sometimes your word can be tricky to understand for some of us, God. And we pray that you would give us clarity of mind. But we also pray, God, that you will send people into our lives, like Paul and Timothy, that we can work together in ministry. Because, again, we're created for fellowship as well. You didn't desire for us to go about our life, our, our spiritual life, alone. And so we pray, God, that you would help each one of us to be in a Bible study, in a small group, where we're interacting with people. We pray, God, that you will teach us through all of our temptations, that you will teach us and give us victory over those temptations, that you will teach us through our transgressions and the hurts that have been done to us. Help us to forgive, God. That's really hard for a lot of things. God, we pray that you would also just teach us through our everyday life. We thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you for discipleship. Amen.